When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Wednesday, July 25th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're looking into some counterintuitive politics. How the states that are attacking Obamacare in federal court may actually suffer the most if coverage for pre-existing conditions gets cut. Before the Affordable Care Act was adopted, insurance companies routinely denied coverage to millions of people with pre-existing conditions who purchased insurance through the individual marketplace. But Obamacare ended that, making it illegal to deny coverage for pre-existing conditions. But in February, 20 Republican-led states filed a lawsuit to strike down the ACA. While that's not surprising, there's a bit of a catch. Many of the states that signed on to the lawsuit actually have the highest rates of pre-existing conditions. So what that means is, if the ACA were repealed and coverage for pre-existing conditions gets cut, the residents of those states would have the most to lose. This story was originally reported by Kaiser Health News. So we called up the reporter, Harriet Rowan, to help us better understand what's going on here. So here's Tonic News Editor Susan Rincunas and Harriet Rowan on the story. Hi, Harriet. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So the Affordable Care Act has been controversial from the start. It's been the subject of multiple court challenges since it became law in 2010. But can you tell us a bit about the suit that 20 states filed in February? Yeah. So a group of Republican, mostly Republican attorneys general are kind of continuing the fight against Obamacare by challenging the constitutionality of the law in federal court. Their argument is that now that the individual mandate tax penalty no longer exists, the law is no longer constitutional, including all of the provisions that protect people. For instance, the provision protecting people from being uh, denied insurance for having pre-existing conditions. Right. Or or charged more for having a condition right. like that. Which was very common practice before the Affordable Care Act. And what was the administration's response to this lawsuit? In a move that surprised a lot of people, the administration has chosen not to defend certain portions of the Affordable Care Act in federal court. Normally, the federal government, the Department of Justice, would defend federal laws in court against state challenges. But in this case, the Trump administration and Attorney General Sessions have decided not to defend certain portions of the law, including the portion that protects people with pre-existing conditions. Right. (laughs) So from what I understood from your article, the Department of Justice is agreeing with the part of the suit saying that pre-existing conditions protections might be unconstitutional or that they're just not going to defend that part of the law against this lawsuit. Correct. And what's happened in response to that is a group of Democratic attorneys general 
have filed in federal court a petition to defend the law themselves because the federal government will not be defending it. So there is a legal effort to defend the Affordable Care Act that is being led by California Attorney General and a coalition. There's 17 attorneys general that are trying to defend the law in federal court once it gets to that stage. So they're going to defend what the Department of Justice will not defend and faithfully execute. Yes, exactly. And my understanding is this is a pretty uncommon thing to happen. People were shocked that the DOJ was choosing not to defend portions of the law. If protections for people with pre-existing conditions are found to be unconstitutional via this lawsuit, what would that mean for the 21 million people across the country who buy their own health insurance? So it's a little unclear because there are protections that exist at the state level in some states. So it won't affect people in every state exactly the same. So what could happen is that we would go back to a system like what we had before the Affordable Care Act, where people with pre-existing conditions, when they're buying insurance on the individual market, were asked before the Affordable Care Act what kinds of pre-existing conditions they had. So things that they had been diagnosed with or treated for previously. And insurance companies had a list of these pre-existing conditions that they would choose to either deny coverage outright to charge higher premiums or to have rules about what kinds of things could or couldn't be covered for a particular person. So they might say, oh, well, you have asthma, so we'll cover you except for anything to do with your respiratory system. This was a huge complaint that people had. It was a giant barrier for people. And it is something that is wildly popular in public opinion are these protections for pre-existing conditions. So it's a politically precarious position to take for these Republican attorneys general because it's such a popular provision in the Affordable Care Act. So who are we talking about? Who could be affected here? Based on the most conservative estimates, approximately one in four people have a pre-existing condition that was likely to get them denied on the individual market. So things like diabetes or asthma, even things like acne or depression could cause having that in your medical record could cause you to be denied for health insurance. There was an HHS estimate that suggested that one in two adults could be considered to have pre-existing conditions. So it probably affects you and most of the people that you know. And it's not just people who currently buy their own insurance. I think one of the reasons people liked the idea of protections for pre-existing conditions is because it meant that if they wanted to, say, start their own business, they could leave their job, leave their employer-sponsored health plan, and know that they couldn't be denied health coverage or charged more simply because they had diabetes or acne or depression, like you said. Yeah, there was a phenomena that people talked about before the Affordable Care Act was passed, which was people who stayed in jobs because it provided health insurance through the employer, through a group, and those kinds of health insurance plans, they were already not allowed to discriminate against people with pre-existing conditions. After Obamacare was passed, they were able to freelance or work on their own or start their own business because they would be able to get insurance that would actually cover them and all of their medical conditions. Your story points out that nine of the states signed on to the lawsuit have the highest rates of pre-existing conditions 
in the country. That seems fairly counterintuitive. Can you tell us what's going on there? So I started working on this story just trying to, I'm a data reporter. So I was talking to my editor and we were trying to look for numbers that could explain this whole issue of pre-existing conditions. Pre-existing conditions is kind of a vague term. It's used, it's not a medical term. It's used by health insurance companies to identify people who have higher health insurance costs. It is hard to nail down exactly how many people are affected. And so I started looking around for the best data on this kind of stuff. And I found data from the Kaiser Family Foundation. It came out a few years ago and they broke it down by state. And so I was interested in looking at which states had the highest rates and why and to see what kinds of things I could find in those numbers. So I started going through that. I had a spreadsheet with the rates of the states. I sorted it to see what the highest rates were. The highest rate is in West Virginia. The rate is 36%. So 36% of adults under 65 have a pre-existing condition that was likely to have been denied under the rules pre-Obamacare. And then I was reading the lawsuit filed by the 20 Republican states, and I started checking off which states on that list were in the lawsuit. And I you know, went down the first 10, 11, 12 states on the list, and almost every single one of them had signed on to the lawsuit. Right. A lot of these states on the lawsuit would actually suffer the most if the pre-existing conditions protections went away. So I'm curious what the states are saying about protecting their residents. Are they saying that they're going to do something? Are they saying, we'll worry about that later? What's their response to the fact that they would be leaving people vulnerable? I wasn't really able to get a good answer. I called a ton of attorneys general offices and people were not very enthusiastic to talk to me about it. From other media appearances and the responses that I was able to get, it's clear that the Republican attorneys general who are filing these lawsuits know that it's not a popular position to take, that there should not be protections for people with pre-existing conditions. And they have said, including the Arizona attorney general and the West Virginia attorney general have both said publicly that they support protections for pre-existing conditions, but yet they are pursuing a legal strategy that could get rid of those protections. And so it's a little bit of a tightrope that they're walking. I mean, to be fair, the attorneys general can't, they aren't legislators, they don't write laws. um, And so they can't propose these laws that would protect people on the state level. But, you know, if they say they, they support them, it seems a little counterintuitive to be challenging those laws. So this is a lawsuit, and it might take a while for this to actually move through the courts. But could it affect people's insurance next year in any way, perhaps prices? And how does this fit into the larger scope of the Trump administration's attacks on healthcare, given that they're not going to defend the lawsuit? It's unclear what the immediate consequences of this lawsuit are going to be, or if there will be immediate changes. Some of my colleagues at at, um, Kaiser Health News have reported on this. It doesn't seem like most experts think that things will change quickly, but I think people really don't know what will happen in the courts once this lawsuit gets going. But it is a possibility that the Affordable Care Act will be overturned by the federal courts once this process is done. And if that were to happen, people living in states that don't have state-level protections, those people might once again have a hard time buying insurance on the individual market if they don't have insurance through a government program or through their job. 
Republicans for the last six years have been trying to overturn the ACA. It's been something that they campaign on, something that they talk about all the time. Trump obviously has discussed the Affordable Care Act and overturning it many times. But he's also said that he supports protections for pre-existing conditions. And he said previously that those parts of the ACA are the best parts of the ACA. But his DOJ is choosing not to defend those portions of the law. So it's part of a long-standing, well-funded effort to overturn the ACA. And it's just the most recent manifestation of that struggle. It sure is. <laughs> thank you, Harriet, so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. To read Harriet Rowan's full article, go to tonic.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And make sure to tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.